0: What's so funny about having cerebral palsy?
1: So, uh, people ask me if I get nervous before coming up on stage. I said, "No, I got this many people staring at me all
2: day.
3: <laughs> or having a birth defect that leaves you with short limbs.
2: I actually just flew in from Indiana and, boy, are my arms missing!
3: <laughs> Being disabled isn't funny, but sometimes it is. I'm Mike Sugarman. And I'm Janice Wright.
0: And this is I'm Still Rolling. I'm in a wheelchair left paraplegic after a medical mishap.
3: And I'm Mike's wife. We've been married for 40 years and I'm taking care of him a little more now than I used to.
0: It's not fun, but there are some disabled people who have made a living making fun
3: of themselves professional comedians who may be in a wheelchair, or or deaf, or like.
2: All right, I'm Ryan Neemiller, you guys. Thank you all so so much. Thank you.
0: Ryan Neemiller has been on the road as a comedian for 16 years. He made it big on America's Got Talent. He finished third, despite having two tiny arms with three fingers on each stub.
2: He calls himself the cripple thread of comedy.
3: How did you come up with that that? (laughs)
2: name? Uh, So the Cripple Threat name originally came from, so as much as I love comedy, my first love, uh, maybe just in general, but definitely in performance, was professional wrestling. That was, uh, that is what I always uh, gravitated towards. That's what I was convinced I was meant to be when I was growing up. And uh, I had kind of come up with this name, Cripple Threat, because there there was a group in a promotion called ECW that was called the Triple Threat. And and I like myself uh, some wordplay. (laughs) <laughs> so I came up with Cripple Threat uh, I did actually did wrestling training um, when I was in college, uh, I think when I was 21 for about two months, and I don't know if you know this, it turns out that's very hard and you have to work out all the time and you get beat up all the time and uh, my back couldn't take it uh, but I liked the name so much, and at the time I was doing theater and improv and all that too, so I was like, oh, I'll just keep this name then, so it kind of just morphed into being the Cripple Threat of comedy <laughs> instead of Just the cripple threat.
3: Are there, are this, are sometimes people shocked by that name?
2: Um, yeah, it's not that they're shocked. Like, if I say it, everyone's cool, but you'd be surprised. Like, so many people are really tentative Mm -hmm. to say it. They they always like, well, he calls himself, I'm not saying it, but he's calling (laughs) himself. Um, I I was actually very shocked. Uh, and, and I would have changed whatever they had to when I was on America's Got Talent because you have to like, you know, basically clear your social media and all that. And all my social media stuff is cripple threat eight. That is just what, eight's my favorite number. That's, I just thought, I thought it was funny. They didn't make me change it. I was allowed to call myself the cripple threat on television. Like I, it's, it's uh, yeah. Some people get a little weird about it, but it, just like anything, like, you know, if you own it, it's fine. And, and it's all context. There's a difference between people like, oh, he's the cripple threat or like, like, oh, he's crippled. <laughs> That's very different <laughs> context there.
0: So are you a comedian because of your disability, do you think?
2: Uh, it, it's one of those things. It's hard to say. Um, I, I mean, I, obviously, if anyone's seen any of my stand-up, you know, I utilize it. I feel very well in my stand I'd like to think I'm a funny guy regardless. But, you know, it's hard to say. That's, you know, the... Uh, the nature versus nurture. Did did I learn to be funny because it was my defense mechanism to not be, you know, made fun of by the other kids? Would I still have wanted to do this otherwise? I I honestly, I've kind of asked myself that a lot over the years and it's hard to say. I I would like to say yes, but I don't know. It's, uh, uh, It's such a big part of who I am just as a person too, you know, like a disability isn't a thing that you put on in the morning (laughs) and wear during the day, you know, it's, it's shapes my worldview. It shapes everything that I do. So, so it's hard to say if I would have, maybe I would just be an accountant, (laughs) you know, and because I wouldn't have to overcome anything. And that would have been that, it's hard to say.
3: That would be a shame. Although you'd be the funniest guy in the office, I'm sure. (laughs) I possibly,
2: but but the problem is I couldn't count past five. So it would be, it would take, I wouldn't be efficient. (laughs) I had a woman come up to me after a show recently and she had some questions. She was like, oh, 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 okay, 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 okay. Can can you drive? And I was like, yeah. Oh, good for you, good for you, good for you. Making it happen. Can you read?
0: <laughs>
2: and I was like, well, not Braille, but...
0: So did, did you get made fun of when you were growing up?
2: Uh, honestly... I never really did. Um, And and I think it was because, uh, and I don't think it was because I was lucky. I don't think it was, you know, I happened to live around the nicest kids in the world because kids by nature are just mean. That's, you know, it's part, until you kind of learn social interactions and and filters and all that, kids just say whatever they see. Um, I, I, I think I just either instinctively or just something clicked in my brain that, Hey, if I make the jokes first and I am funnier than everybody else, people will leave me alone. Uh, so I never, I was proactive, I guess. I never experienced that a whole, I mean, everyone gets bullied a little bit, but it wasn't like I was relentlessly tormented and then I, you know, figured it out. I think I was just so much clever. Everyone just sort of went, oh, we like him. He's cool. Let's not, not worry about it. Um, it it honestly, I I didn't really face what I would feel is like that kind of discrimination or anything more until I was an adult when real world situations started popping up. Like kids never made fun of me. But when I was trying to get jobs, you know, that's where people would be like, you know, they would never outwardly say it because that's not how people work. But it was like, man, I'm trying to work as a cashier at Walmart. I think I can handle it. (laughs) And, you know, they would always kind of like oh well maybe this isn't for you and like this kind of stuff you know when I got into the dating world it's hard to find somebody who's strong enough to put up with the extra challenges that comes with being with someone with a disability you know I'm pretty self-sufficient but you know my wife still ties my shoes for me you know and and for some people that kind of stuff's a deal breaker so that is where I felt like I experienced the discrimination more
0: yeah well you Dated well because you got married and do you have
2: kids. Uh, we have our first one on the way. We're due in in May. So.
3: Congratulations! So, yeah,
2: I, I'm uh, very much getting into the uh, the uh, the panic mode <laughs> of all this. Well, uh, you should. You should. <laughs> I, I
0: I went through that same thing. They just you don't know what to what's going to happen. You don't know what your life is going to just turn upside down but you don't know how exactly.
2: Yeah. yeah, and, and it's one of the things you can, you know, you can read all the books and, and talk to every other person who's ever had kids, but it's one of those things you don't know until you know, you know, Ooh. like, like I feel like intellectually. Yeah. I, I know that, you know, I know how the feedings work. I know how to change a diaper. I know how to swaddle a baby. Now like I, I know all this kind of stuff, but you don't know what, like, is my baby going to be a little jerk who cries all the time? Is he going to be the most peaceful, quiet kid? Like, who knows what our life's going to be here, you know? And, and is it going to vary day to day? <laughs> no one knows.
3: What are some of the things, Ryan, that that irritate you now about people's reactions to you? Give us a scenario of, because we've only been at this for a year. Mike's been in a wheelchair for a year. And so we've been surprised at how we get things irritate us. We thought if somebody came up to, uh, uh, people are always telling us, oh, you're so brave. How do you do it? You know, it's like, we realize that that's very nice, but it's kind of like where they're pitying us. It's or, pity. It's, it's pity. Yeah. It's,
2: yeah. Yeah. I, I would say uh, you know that was the that's the first thing that I always tell people. Like that's probably my biggest pet peeve about it, and it's it's the same thing I experienced with comedy. It's the equivalent to me of like the nice heckler. It, it, it's the person who in the middle of your set, keeps yelling, you're really funny. We love you. And it's like, well, that's very nice. Thank you. But you're kind of ruining my shit here. <laughs> like I'm trying to, I'm trying to work right now. Um, and, and what you say there, like a lot of times it's tough because those people in their head are well-meaning. I, I, I don't think they mean any malice behind it. Because it's really easy to write off somebody who's like, oh, you're a crippled freak. <laughs> that person, you're like, okay, you're just an asshole. I don't gotta like whatever. Like that's, it, it's the person who's like, wow, you are so brave. Because if that was me, I would have killed my, you know, like those kind of things. You're like, what are you talking about? Like my, um, well, well, we get that sometimes and, and you might probably experience it as the as the spouse. Um, you know, I, I I've told a, a story before of the real thing happened my wife and I uh, we were just at Costco uh, just shopping just doing a normal buying way too much stuff as you do at a Costco and one of the people who worked there like kind of pulled my wife aside when we were a little bit separated and basically told her hey you are such a good person (laughs) because you're with him (laughs) and and in my head I'm thinking like well like my wife loves me she's like no but like Like, she's not a good person because she settled on me. She might have low standards, but like, (laughs) you know, she's still, and and, and in my head, when I think that, and I don't like to be this guy, but like, in my head, I'm like, okay, I'm on national television all the time. I tour around with the coolest job in the world. I make really good money doing what I do now. Like, how is she a good, like, she's lucky as far as I'm concerned. Like, I'm killing it right now. Like, what are you talking about? You married it, it, up, huh? Exactly. <laughs> uh, but it, it's it's those type of reactions, like you just said. It's the, um, you know, it's the people who help you when you didn't ask for it. Now, on the other hand, you you must be an inspiration to a lot of people. Uh, I, I mean, it, it's one of those things. I, I I wouldn't want to lie to you. That's not why I got into this. That's not why I did this. At the end of the day, I'm an attention whore who likes, <laughs> you know, being in the middle of it and people <laughs> showering me with praise. And like, like for it does a lot for me too. Um, when I got on AGT though, cause that was obviously the biggest platform I had had, you know, the amount of, for me, I was just like, oh good, I've worked really hard. I've worked for 13 years, you know, living on the road and sleeping in my car cause I couldn't afford hotels. Like I, I did the grind. I made this happen to now. Okay, now I get this big national, you know, worldwide platform. And the amount of like messages and tweets and dms and all that kind of stuff of people are like hey i have a disability or i have a kid with a disability you know thanks for going out there and and showing them that we can do this um you know it did mean a lot um and it's something i don't take for granted either you know i i would never claim that i'm trying to be an inspiration I think people who say that kind of stuff are the most pretentious. <laughs> like, 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 who, who, who the hell are you to decide that you're inspiring? That's not how it works, you know. But if people do get something from my story, because, because I've always tried to be as real as possible, I, 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 I want to have fun with this. But I also, you know, if you listen to a lot of my standup, a lot of it's about like, this is the hard shit too that comes along with it. Um, I'm a big video game player. And I always describe my disability, if I was creating my character at the beginning of my video game, this is not the template I would have chosen. (laughs) I would have not have willingly chosen this, but it's the one I was given, so I'm going to make the best of it. And and I'll always try to talk about the real stuff, and I think people relate to that, because it's not the inspiration porn. It's not the, oh, I can do anything I want. (laughs) I really can't, but I can do a lot of things.
3: Um, one thing I noticed when we were watching your clips of your shows is that the, a lot of it is universal, I, I feel. Um, the, you have a bit where you talk about people always say you should learn how to swim. <laughs> and and you say, why? <laughs> I'm fine without swimming. You know, I'll drown or I won't. And, and when I was listening to that, I thought, you know, that's a good lesson in life for. Anybody. Why do you have to think you have to do everything that everybody else does? And in our situation now, that's been a big thing that for us to learn. We don't have to make our lives like they were or make them like everybody else's life. <laughs> we don't have to compare ourselves.
2: Yeah, yeah. And and, and unless you want to. And and I think at the end of the day, that's what it is like, like, everyone should do what they're comfortable with. Because like, I'll even compare it to something, you know, I I use the swimming example on there, because I'm terrified of water. Like, should I probably learn to swim? Maybe I'm about to be a dad, it would probably be a helpful skill, (laughs) you know, safety wise. But if it was just me, I don't think the water's fun. I, 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 I'm i I'm a redhead who catches on fire under, you know, the bathroom light, (laughs) let alone outside, you know? (laughs) So it's like, those activities just aren't fun. You go have fun. If that's your favorite thing in the world, great. Enjoy. I'll meet up with you later. I don't need to do that. Um, And and people just always kind of get this like impression or shape that like, oh, like if you don't do something or if you don't like something, you don't like this, it's fine. Like, no, just kind of do what works for you. I think it's good to kind of look introspectively and, you know, to even put it as someone with a disability, it it also like, that can be very harmful for some people. Like, you know, you're like, Oh, you should have to learn to swim. Well, maybe that's something I'm very scared about because of my disability. I don't want to feel like I'm a failure because I have these other fears or other thoughts that I haven't gotten past yet, or that are very difficult for me. Because for some people, you know, they love the water so much in their brain, they're like, "Well, why wouldn't you learn to swim? It's so much fun." Well, me, it's terrifying because I'm don't know if I'm going to die or not. <laughs> Let me sort of. We all handle things differently, and I think that's okay.
0: There are disabled people that don't like what you do.
2: Um, some, um, uh, a- a- and I think that's just natural, like. Even the funniest people in the world are not universally liked. They're probably hated by more than half of the world's population. Really, that's just how it are. You're never going to be. Li- um, uh, there, there are, and it hasn't happened very often because I, I think most people, even if they don't think I'm funny, if that's their opinion, that's fine. I think they know that I'm on their team, though. They know that I'm like, I'm not saying disabilities are stupid or that like you're, you know, a freak and you shouldn't be. Like I'm not that guy. But there has been some people who don't think that what my disability is, is disabled enough to be talking about it in that context. Um, you know, like I got, I had a couple of people who have emailed me who are, you know, it, it's not like a, you know, it's not a competition by any means, but like they feel their disabilities are far more severe than mine. So they're pissed because, oh, well, you could still do this, 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 and this, so you shouldn't be able to talk about it. And in my head, I'm thinking we're on the same team, though. Like, we don't have the same challenges, but, like, I'm still trying to tell the perspective. Like, I think a lot of what I try to say is universal. You know, mine might just be a limb difference. Maybe I don't know the full context of being in a wheelchair, for instance. But I like to think that what I'm saying, I'm not implying that, like, oh, it's it's easy for all of us because look how easy I'm making it. Or, like, oh what I experience is 100% what we all experience, but I try to hit the points. I think, you know, many people with disabilities, if it's a visual one that people can see, yeah, we do have to deal with children saying rude stuff. And like, I think that kind of stuff is universal, whether we have the same flavor of disability or not. So some people have gotten upset by it and I always write it off to, we're all in different parts of our journey. You know, like, like it, it took me, you know, I'm, Forty now. It took me probably thirty-five years before I felt like I was truly comfortable having a disability.
1: You guys may have noticed this right arm does a lot of g- on tone. I swear to God, I thought I got pickpocketed the other day. I'm like,
0: That's Josh Blue, a man who has had cerebral palsy since birth. And his right arm does flail as he careens around the stage with so much energy.
1: My mom is great, though. She's the only person in the world who can tell when I'm drunk. She's like, Josh, are you walking straighter?
0: Are you a comedian with cerebral palsy? Or are you... uh... You have cerebral palsy, and you're a comedian.
4: Uh, I mean, I prefer the first way. Uh, you know, I'm, I've always just wanted to be a stand-up comic. As uh, you know, I mean, not always I didn't know that was a thing you could do, but once I found out you could be a comedian, that's what I wanted to be. I just happened to have cerebral palsy as well.
3: Were you telling jokes when you were a kid?
4: Yeah. Uh, You know, obviously they weren't like joke form, but it was more just being funny all the time and, uh, you know, uh, I'm real good at reading a room and playing off what's happening. So, you know, the classroom was my first sort of venture into making groups of people laugh. You know, there's that one moment of uh, silence in the room and you just pop something out there and. Get the whole whole class to laugh and even the teacher, you know. So you know it's good when you can get the teacher too. So. But obviously you don't realize that's a thing that you can do when you're doing it. You're just a kid that happens to be funny.
0: <laughs> Was it sort of a uh, defense mechanism against the other kids that might have made fun of you?
4: I mean... I feel like I've always just had this gift regardless of that, but it definitely came into play as that. It wasn't like I thought of it like, oh, I'm going to be funny. That way they won't make fun of me or whatever. But to me, it's more like, I mean, if you're a bully and you say something mean to me and I say something back that's funnier and it gets the other kids to laugh at you... Pretty quickly, you're not going to mess with me anymore because <laughs> you don't want to be made the fool by a cripple in in class.
3: Tell us a little bit how you built your career, because you you built it to a national, international level from from being the being cracking jokes in in kindergarten.
1: Yeah, so I mean,
4: again, like when you're in high school and elementary school, again, you don't really know that's a thing that you can do Uh, it wasn't until I got to college where people would be like man you're funny all the time like we just know you're gonna be funny when we hang out it's your fun energy and and then I started seeing stand-up and you know watching you know Chris Rock and people like that that where you're like I was just like, how do they do that? You know, my thought process started kind of like, how did they get to that point where they're filming a special, you know?
0: You have cerebral palsy, uh, and that's a tough thing to live with, but it sort of has helped you in your career, hasn't
4: Yeah, well, and the truth of the matter is, this is all that I've ever known, so... You can say it's tough or you can't say it's tough. I don't know, because this is
0: just what I know. Does Does that make sense? Do you hurt sometimes?
4: Yeah, I mean, there's pain that's associated with it, but I think it's wear and tear in a body. I'm 44 now, and I've been going hard on the road for this long, and Played soccer for ten years on the you know Paralympic team. Uh,
1: something bad did happen to me in one of the last games of the tournament, though. Um, yeah. I got injured. I got injured, and my coach had the nerve to put me on the disabled list. <laughs> yeah, at my time,
4: I was one of the best policy players in the world. But that's just another weird thing. Like I never played on a team or anything. I just love the game and love kicking the ball. And uh, coaches said, I just had a really uh, instinct of the game that you can't teach. It just like, he told me my instinct to score is unteachable. Like it's just, I see the ball and that's my first thing is kick it in the back of the net. <laughs> I, which, you know, maybe I should have passed more, but.
3: how 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 do you how do you work how do you create do you want to give messages and commentary on disabilities within your humor or does not i mean for instance i love your routine about botox how yeah which to me it has it is kind of it has a serious message Uh, well you do it did you guys know that
1: botox was originally being invented to help people with cerebral palsy. They were developing it, trying to find a way to inject the muscles. And then somewhere along the way, they discovered that Botox also makes wrinkles go away. And then they were like, well, forget cerebral palsy.
4: I never go into anything going, hey, I'm gonna teach them something about any topic. I, this is just the way I see it and I'll find a, you know, I learned that fact about Botox from a palsy doctor that worked with Botox. And he said, you know, it was, re, he basically said that exact thing, um, you know, he didn't say fuck the cerebral palsy part, but he said, uh, you know, forget cerebral palsy, uh, so basically I took a real fact from a doctor but I but the way I say it is funny and spin it a little bit and um, yeah. So again it is it, it, you learn a lot in that one joke about the you know but also I have zero intent of like educating you when I think of stuff like that.
0: So, is it okay to laugh at disabled people? Certainly, if they're telling the jokes. And few know this better than...
5: Alan Klein is my name, and what I do is... um...
0: What he does is write books on healing with humor during the worst of times. He's written 30 books, and he became an author after his wife died in her 30s. Uh,
5: When things are not going so well, whether it's uh, health-wise, business-wise, world-wise, you can step back, get a little bit of humor, perhaps, and get a different perspective on your situation.
0: Does it do something to the body? Is there a chemistry to it? Yeah,
5: even smiling does, yeah. So, um, they say that endorphins, good endorphins is secreted. They're not quite sure if that's true. Still, it's hard to prove that. But your blood pressure goes up. Your heart rate goes up. It's a little like aerobic exercise. And then when, you know, a good hearty laugh, sometimes you're falling on the floor, you laugh so hard. So it's physically um, exercising your body. And then it's getting more blood to your um system getting more oxygen to your lungs so if you're in a wheelchair and you don't get a lot of oxygen to your lungs you don't get a lot of exercise hearty laughter might get you your quota of uh, fresh oxygen every hour
0: well you can't see me this is audio but i have a huge smile on my face I am breathing deeply, and I'm getting that oxygen in right now. <laughs>
3: did, you, did you just hear a good joke? Is that, is that why?
0: No, I'm just doing it for health reasons. <laughs>
3: okay. Well, I, as you know, come from a long line of laughers in the face of tragedy. Because in my extended family, there was a lot of heartache, a lot of death. I won't go into the grim details because it's not a laughing matter, except through it all, we always found a way to laugh. And sometimes we had to hide our laughter. We, we would laugh. We would tap dance, you know. And sometimes I know we we knew that other people wouldn't understand it. Somehow they would think it was being, I don't know, rude, sacrilegious or something. But it really is the way to get through things. I didn't
0: really understand it when I first saw it. Actually, there were a few times. This happened several times in your family. You've had a tragic uh, background. <laughs>
3: Well, yes, a, a cousin who died of cancer, left two young children, another cousin who was killed by a drunk driver along with her daughter, and the neighbor's child in any way but for some reason, I mean you don't laugh right away on these things and when when you became paralyzed and you were in the hospital, we didn't laugh right away, certainly, that can't be expected, and also If you don't have a sense of humor going into a hard time in your life, it's probably too late to develop one. But I feel with comedians, um, like the ones we, we spoke to, at least they can help you. They could help you see the levity in things and how not to take things completely seriously or to flip things around and look at them another way that might be amusing.
0: Like when we went to the restaurant and uh, I lost my shoe?
3: Yes. Now, that was a perfect example. So we went to a restaurant in Queens with our son and his wife. It was dark when Mike got out of the car. And, you know, it's kind of a procedure for Mike to get out of the car and into his wheelchair. And we were at this little restaurant having a nice time. Mike pushed his chair back from the table at one point, looked down and said, I only have on, I'm laughing thinking about it, I only have on one shoe. His his shoes were black, his socks were black. And the four of us started laughing hysterically. It was so great because it was it was that kind of laughter when you can't even look at each other because you know you start laughing again. And... There was a, a party of four next, very close to us, sitting at another table. And I'm sure they thought, what is wrong with these people? You know, the three of us, our, uh, Max and Maria and myself, looking at you, looking at the guy in the wheelchair and laughing hysterically at him. But they didn't impress me as people who had a very good sense of humor to begin with. They didn't look like they were having fun all evening. So Should
0: have taken their shoes off.
3: <laughs> or at least one, one. At least one. And we did find the shoe. It was in the car. We found it. It wasn't lying on the street or anything. But, but again, it takes a while sometimes to be able to, to laugh at things, certainly. You can't laugh at, at tragic things that happen immediately. But boy, having a good sense of humor goes so far to getting you through these hard times in life.
0: Putting a smile on your face, I hope. I'm Mike Sugarman.
3: And I'm Janice Wright. Keep laughing.
0: I've got to say the name of the podcast. Oh, yeah, you do. And listening to I'm Still Rolling.